Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast, where our mission is to provide woodworking education for all levels and all types of woodworkers. To find out more about the Modern Woodworkers Association, visit us on the web at modernwoodworkersassociation.com or follow us on Twitter at MWA underscore national. Now to our host, Tom Iovino, Diami Palatki, and yours truly, Chris Adkins. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this, the 64th edition of the Modern Woodworkers Association online discussion about all things woodworking. Today's special guest is John Steffen of John Steffen Restoration. But before we get to him, let me introduce our usual panel. I'm Tom Iovino of Tom'sWorkbench.com, and I'll be your host for the program. Joining me today is also Diami Palaki. Diami, hello. Good evening. Good evening. It's lovely to have you here. Well, thank you, Tom. Lovely to have you, too. Well, thank you very much. And also joining us from Hotlanta, Georgia, which isn't so hot this time of the year, Chris Atkins. Do I have to be near as polite as you two? No, you don't. Okay, great. Not at all. Perfect. How you doing, Tom? (laughs) Doing okay. How you doing, man? I'm not bad, man. Good. Glad to hear it. All right. This episode of the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast is sponsored by the Gorilla Glue Company for the toughest jobs on planet Earth. So what's in the shop? Chris, let's talk to you first. What's going on? I, um, I, I've been, I, I've been spoon carving lately, <laughs> not spooning in the shop. I've not been spooning, sp- although with, with the, with the temperature falling, that's right. Spooning would be appropriate. Spooning would be appropriate in the shop, but I've not been spooning in the shop. I, uh, so spoon carving. Tell me, tell me all about this. I, I don't know why I decided when, when I was at woodworking in America, you know, we were, we were out there and, um, one of the guys that, uh, with. Peter Galbert over there was had some spoons he'd carved, and um, it's kind of cool. And so I was looking at the spoons, and I decided that I wanted to carve a couple of spoons. So um, I don't know. So last week, one day, I decided that I was going to uh, play around. I was actually I'm working on the um, the tablet stand that I'm doing, and I needed I, I've got some coins from when I was in the military that that I'm putting in it, but I needed to get an adjustable bit to to be able to drill those in to, to different sizes. So kind of got at the standstill and thought, well, I'm just going to carve a spoon. So I think I've made like three spoons <laughs> since the end. So. <laughs> it just happened. It just happened. So it was good. It was a good time to start. So uh, it's kind of fun, you know. What do you carve them out of, Chris? Uh, what kind of wood or what yeah. kind of? Well, and, and, and the technique, the extent of my carving is, is using a router. So, uh, film, start, <laughs> pretend I'm a virgin and, and fill me in. Uh, the first one I made, I used cherry. Uh, the second one I used, um, some of the holly that I have. And then the third one I used walnut. Really? Any differences in the way that woods, different woods carved? Most definitely. Um, really? Yeah. Cherry. Mm. Cherry's pretty hard, so I mean that that definitely is you know a, a pretty hard wood, and it you know it's kill dried, so it, you, that's probably not the best option to use on it. But um, but I had some, so I, I figured why not. Uh, the holly, um, holly's pretty hard, but it it did carve pretty well, and I I think that the walnut is probably the easiest to carve. It's um, but it was also air dried walnut, so I think that probably makes a difference again. But uh, it's definitely pretty easy to carve and. It was much of the the easiest of the three. So. Not having made a spoon, but in shaped in shaping some of those woods, I would that would go along with what I've experienced too. Yeah. Walnut on many degrees is kind of like butter, and it just right. shapes the way you want it to. Yeah, it was it was. I didn't expect that, you know. And just once I started carving on it, is as, as smooth as I was going to carve. 
And then I'm it's... pretty sure Shannon has talked about how technically walnut doesn't have a grain or the grain constantly switches. I don't remember exactly what it was, but there's something about the technical way that walnut grows is it's hmm. not typical in its in its grain structure. Yeah, I don't know. It carves nice. Now, now in addition to the woods, Chris, what, what technique do you use? Obviously, it sounds like you were hand carving. Um, I did. I used... Um... Well, I I did kind of rough it out, so I I basically took and drew the shape that I wanted on the piece of wood, went to the bandsaw, cut the shape out pretty close to the, the line on what I wanted, um, clamped the board down, hollowed the inside of the spoon out, and then just basically used my knife to carve the outside, so... You know, I did sand and stuff a little bit. You you could leave. I mean, there's you you start looking into it, and there's people do different ways. Some people leave the knife marks. Um, I didn't leave the knife marks on the first two. I sanded the knife marks back out of it, so it was you know smooth at the end. Um, the third one, I haven't sanded the knife marks, and I probably won't. Interesting. Yeah, yeah it's neat. That's yeah, kind of fun little little deal. Well, look at you. I mean, you're out there trying new techniques. And, I, you yeah. know, again, the, the, uh, this harkens back to my point. I've said so many times, there's so many different things in woodworking you could try. I agree. That you can never, you can never get bored. It's, That's it's, right. You know, you could be building cabinets. You could be carving spoons. You could yep. be, you know, doing all kinds of chairs, uh, cabinet, you know, what, you know, whatever. It's, it's all out there for you to discover. So, hey, you know, why not give it a shot? Yep. Got to like that. So what about you guys? So, Diami, what, what's going on in your neck of the woods, as they say? Well, um, last weekend, well, maybe even the weekend before I've lost track, was the Long Island Woodworkers Show. So all the activity in the shop leading up to the show finally came to an end, and I uh, had four pieces on display at the show. And what I found interesting is, well, to put this aside, I didn't place anything or, or win any of the awards, and frankly, I didn't think I deserved to, so I'm not complaining about that. But what I did find interesting about feedback was I received tons of comments and feedback, almost all positive, about the blue funeral chair I made. Really? And I got zero comments on my most recent quilt rack, the really sculpted one I made for Lil. And while I'm absolutely proud of both of them, I personally think the quilt rack is a is a more challenging, more ornamental piece. Um, there's nothing wrong with the chair; it's really nice, and I, I'm very pleased with the way it came out. But um, I was I was just flabbergasted that it was the piece that garnered all the attention, and uh, and the quilt rack received no attention. Uh, I just you, found that a little surprising. Really flabbergasted, or is that just a word you made up? No, no. Uh, in, in Long Island, it's a it's a common ailment. It's common, common, it's okay, common. common term. Okay, glad glad yeah. to hear that. <laughs> yeah. So so that was uh, that was like a week or two ago, and then since then, I've just been putzing along in the shop, and I I've had the super dust deputy taking up space in the box for a while, and so I just uh, two days ago, I finally attached it to the base that I'm I'm going to attach it to. I'm building this homemade cyclone essentially out of by cannibalizing a bunch of other things. So um, I'm getting back to work on that because I've realized that without dust collection, it's going to be a really dirty winter. So I need to get this thing set up. So that's what I'm doing is I'm, I'm back to building the dust collector. So hopefully another week or two, I'll be able to turn this thing on and get back to real work. Nice. Yeah. So you uh, you just out there freezing and chattering your teeth or you actually been um, able to yeah, work after, lately? After the shock of, of waking up this morning to uh, 37 degrees here in, in, in the Tampa Bay area, which is, you know, rather unseasonable for us. Uh, we're normally about 60 as a low. Um, there's a couple things coming up. I, I'm going to be taking my, uh, my my annual week off in a, around the holiday season. And, um, you know, Rhonda, uh, she, she's already started to think about projects. 
And one of the projects that uh, we we like she'd like to see is a uh, is a new bed. Um, again, you know, we we were in a Florida ranch home with no basement, so we don't have storage. Um, so right now, our our bed that we bought when we first got married from you know one of the local furniture shops, um, you know, it's just a regular metal frame with a with a, a footboard and a headboard, and uh, you know we have stuff shoved under the bed, you know. But we'd like to be a little bit more organized, so we're looking to uh, uh, I'm looking to build a uh, uh, basically uh, three drawers on each side, um, you know, with 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 glides and things like that, so we can put some stuff in there organized. And then build a, uh, a headboard and a footboard. And I'm thinking getting a little more decorative with the with the with the headboard specifically. Um, you know, the footboard I want to keep kind of narrow to the to the side of the bed so you don't run into anything in the middle of the night if you're trying to get up and move around. Um, so you know, so I've got I've got a couple of things I've got to draw out. You know, try to figure out how I'm going to do that. Um, also, after that, my uh, my niece Katie turns 16 in March. So. As you know, uh, the tradition in the family is that for my mm. nieces, I build them a hope yep. chest when they turn 16. So um, so with Katie's birthday coming up, I've got to start uh, looking at uh, what I'm going to be doing for that for that ch uh, hope chest. So it's different than Lauren's. Uh, her older sister, uh, when she turned 16, I made her one out of Mayan walnut, which is appropriate because in 2012, the Mayan apocalypse is supposed to happen. That's right. So I thought it'd be funny if I took <laughs> out of Mayan walnut. Yeah, that was that was a funny that was a nice funny build. Um, this one for Katie, um, there was a there was a Bradford pear tree in front of their house, and it was having trouble with um, it was it was, the uh, roots were were pushing up the um, uh, they were pushing up the sidewalk and the and the driveway, so they had to take the tree down. And Katie loved to play in this tree; she loved to climb in the tree and all this other stuff. Um, so my brother-in-law cut a section of the tree out, and he was wondering if there's any way I could incorporate it. Um, so what I'm thinking I'm going to do is I'm going to actually do a couple of inlays uh, from this tree um, in in the piece. So kind of you know make some heart shape inlays or something like that, and actually put it into the uh, put it into the piece. Um, the, uh, the the challenge is going to be you know actually getting to do inlay, which will be which will be a kind of an exciting thing to do. Um, you know, and trying to figure out how to get that to work in there. But, you know, that'll be the first time I've really done some solid inlay into a piece. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Cool. Um, and then uh, the other thing I've been working on, and I know that our friends over at Gorilla Glue have been, uh, been very, uh, you know, they've come on board to support. And one of the things they want us to do is to do some videos. So I started working on a, uh, on a little, just a little keepsake box. Um, and, uh, and I showed the technique of how to glue up a mitered box uh, using packing tape as a clamp and uh, a really, really nice little piece. And we put together a, a little video. We're going to have the link in the show notes and we're going to pop it up on the website as well. But uh, it, it, it's kind of fun, you know, this this whole idea about doing videos to demonstrate different techniques. Um, you know, we're looking forward to doing more of this. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to you know having it out there so people can see it. Most it was family. a neat video. It'll be exciting to see how it gets, what kind of reaction it gets to. But uh, to get back to your bed, which is the first thing you're making, yes, you're talking about the uh, the ornamental headboard. Do you have a style of bed in mind, and how you're going to ornament? Is it going to be something carved or multiple panels, or you know, what, what you know, which direction I mean, are you right going now, with the bed? Well, right now, Ron is you know she's busy on online looking at different headboards. I mean, you know, so we're kind of just looking at ah. you know either something that's like live edge. You know, maybe something a live edge board. You know, cut. You know, cut uh, through. 
um, maybe something with panels, maybe something with inlay, you know, so we're, we're, we're looking at designs right now. And, you know, when she, when she comes up with the piece, she, she finds, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what we can do. I'm going to have to talk to my wood provider and kind of, you know, see what we can find that could, that could fit the bill on that one. But it, it should be interesting. I, I've, I've seen some really sweet designs with some natural edge boards that are just, you know, just absolutely gorgeous. And that, that's where I'd be. But of course, you know, we, you know, we're, we're going to have to decide this one together. Yeah, you do both need to sleep in it. Yeah, I mean seriously, and if you know, if I, I if I blow it, you know, I sleep it on, on the couch. couch and I didn't build that, so yeah, you'll be sleeping on the couch, and she'll be sleeping in that bed she hates, getting pissed every time she goes to sleep. <laughs> she hates the bed. You see, there we go. So it'll be something, and she'll say, "Oh, isn't that nice, dear?" And then we'll go out and buy a new one. So, <laughs> so that's the challenge, you know. But we're so, gonna, you know, do it. Actually, I've even seen people, and, and the funny thing is, I've seen people go to uh, architectural salvage places and find mm. doors. And that they've used as headboards. So, you know, there's even the possibility of that. We've got a couple of places that are really old, uh, you know, heart pine doors that were built here in the 20s in, in Florida um, that, you know, we've seen some of that. So, you know, that's another option as well. So, you know, we've got a lot of options out there. So, you know, there's going to be a little bit of a phase where we're going to look for the next month, try to try to get our plans together. And then, you know, from there, we'll just go. We'll see what we get. Good deal. All Looking right. forward to seeing that, man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it too. It should be interesting. So mm-hmm. <laughs> hopefully we'll get this worked out. It'll be pretty easy. The, the cabinetry will be straightforward. The other design is going to be the hard part. So, right. but we'll figure this out. So, um, so there's some blog posts out there that have piqued our interest, haven't there, Ben? Indeed, indeed, have been very. So tell us, Dion, what about Pete of Second Wind Wood, uh, Second Wind Wood Shop? What's say that, he up say that faster, Tom. Uh, Pete of Second Wind Wood Shop. Am <laughs> okay. I right? Yeah, that's okay? fine. We we had uh, we had talked to and about. Well, we didn't talk to Pete on the air, but we talked to Pete earlier in the year and talked about him on the air because uh, early in 2014, Pete had made a pledge that he was going to build a box a week all year, and we had him on the docket to talk to him in June or July to follow up halfway through the year and see how his boxes were going. Unfortunately, by that point, he had found out that he was being transferred and. I should know where he was, uh, somewhere in the Midwest, and he was transferred down to Florida. So he spent the last couple months looking at houses and dealing with his move and all that stuff. So he has just closed and moved into his new house in Jupiter, Florida, and he is now starting to set up his shop. So uh, over at his blog at Second Wind Woods Workshop, Second Wind Workshop, it is hard to say, .blogspot.com. Yeah, Yeah, you can see Pete's, uh, Pete's post about starting off fresh in the new shop. And uh, he's talking about somewhat the difference between going from a basement shop back to a garage shop and just what he plans to do with the space. So um, Pete was moving along pretty well with his boxes before he got transferred. So I'm eager to see him get a shop back in gear. And maybe for 2015, he can pull together a box a week because I was curious to see how that project went. Yeah, and he's on the east coast of Florida. So if you uh, if you're swinging by, you know maybe uh, maybe you want to check out Pete's stuff. If you're, uh, of course, from what I understand from the weather recently, you know with 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 like what ninety inches of snow in Buffalo, people maybe want to come and do uh, maybe want to come to Florida to kind of get away from that for a little bit. So hey, Pete's in the right place. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, says you. I don't know. People in for people in Buffalo, okay. ninety inches just makes them want to stay home. See, well, I don't even think it slowed them down that much. No, it doesn't. It's just snow. We suck it up. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Anyway. All right. So then there's uh, Inside the Old Wolf, uh, Derek from Inside the Old Wolf Workshop, right? That's right. So, 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 Diami? 
Yeah, okay. So, Did you help me get that one again? I'm the only one who reads things on the internet, apparently. <laughs> but, um, you, know, you know what? Der- because I think you're really excited by the photo that went along with it. <laughs> well, of course. Well, we, we got to get to work on our 2015 calendar. I was going to say, this reminds me of our 2015 January. calendar um, here. So, Derek, at Inside the Old Wolf Workshop, which is inside the workshop.blogspot.com, um, his most recent post is uh, day three of his bench build or his bench base build. And he is building what uh, is essentially a very long and big Rubo-esque style bench. Um, and he's really cranking through the construction. And he's adding some ornamental details on the, the leg stretchers and things. I mean, it, at some point, it's not a radical departure from all the other Rubos you've seen built. Um, but he's adding his own flair to it. And just the size of this thing really has me impressed in that it's it's like an aircraft carrier. And he has this great glamour shot of him on the bench, which I think everybody should of check course. out. As, um, every, as every workbench needs is a, is a great that's, glamour shot. That's, that's exactly it. Of course, what we're all exactly. referring to was uh, the year yeah. before last at Woodwork in America, we decided to do the uh, MWA calendar where we all posed on the benches. So, yeah. uh, and if anyone needs a 2014 edition. calendar, there's two left. <laughs> just just hit me up online and I'll uh, I'll hook you up. We had a we had a huge waiting list for those calendars. I can't believe yeah. we have any left. I mean, all like six people, <laughs> and I think people were ready to throw them out. But yeah, no, we gave, we gave out at least twelve because everyone who's in it got one. <laughs> there we go. You see. But anyway, um, nice. Christopher, you want to talk about the goings on in the MWA or tangential to the MWA? <laughs> tangential to the MWA. That's right. Tangential. This it's like the SAT practice here. Yeah, I mean, what's up with you? you flabbergasted, tangential. What? Are, what's going on? Uh, sorry, Tom. I don't get to use big words in my roofing proposals. <laughs> okay. That's right. Uh, yeah. I mean, the the first thing is, um, you know, our our friend uh, David Pesciuto, uh, who's been on the podcast with us before, and a good friend of of ours. Um, him and uh, Jim. I don't even know how to say these other two names. The Jimmy DeResta Jim and Bob Claggett. That's right. They uh, they are. Jimmy DeResta, come on, what's wrong with you? <laughs> well, I'm I'm looking. You're from so, the South. That's right. Uh, so they're st- starting a podcast. So uh, so that's kind of cool. You know, one of the things that uh, that that is doing a podcast uh, that we don't get to listen to our own, or we don't want to listen to our own. So we actually like when there's other podcasts come along out there that we actually have more to listen to. So. Uh, so it's definitely good for us, and it's called uh, it's uh, making, making it, it podcast. So uh, yeah, we're kind of looking yeah, forward to seeing it's that. It's more from a a maker it's standpoint a than a standpoint. strictly woodworker right. standpoint. That's right. Um, but I'll tell you what, they're up to episode two or three, and yeah. what's been fantastic about it is the conversational tone that we strive to and fail to get between the three of us. Um, they actually achieve, and yeah. they're really interesting conversations to listen to. Right. So I would I would highly recommend it. Yeah, it's it's definitely geared a lot more towards design in that aspect. Um, so it's good. As opposed to what we do. Correct. Yeah. Which is which is make you suffer. Not good. <laughs> so. Tom, you want to and bring out way, and and speak about suffering with us. Um, um, yeah. By the way, uh, today, November nineteenth, twenty fourteen, is Tom Clippinger's birthday. He's many years old. So the American Craftsman Workshop.com. Todd, happy birthday. This podcast is sponsored by the Gorilla Glue Company. With a full line of tough adhesives, tapes, and more, Gorilla can help you fix, build, or repair just about anything. Visit GorillaTough.com to learn more. Gorilla, for the toughest jobs on planet Earth. 
John Steffen is with us. Uh, he's at www.johnsteffen.com, or you can find him at Steffen, S-T-E-F-F-E-N, Restaurant. He's the Restaurant at Twitter. Uh, John, welcome to the show. How you doing? Great, Tom. Thanks for having me. Thank goodness well, you're still awake. I thought you'd fall asleep. People like you on because you'll tolerate us. <laughs> That's the secret. Well, so John, yeah. on your bio, Sounds it says your so John, on your bio on your website, it mentions that your family's been in the antique business for over 120 years. Correct. So tell me yeah. about this history. Yeah. What, what's going on? Well, we um, my granddad had a store in uh, England that we had for a number of years, and my uh, my parents moved over there, uh, took over the store. And then we set up stores here in this country, uh, furniture stores and antique stores. So we sold brand new furniture and they would ship it in um, from, from Europe, import it over here. And uh, then we had a workshop and we got started, uh, you know, working on the furniture uh, over the years. And the stores have since gone. We sold the store in Europe and uh, the stores here in the States and my folks retired. And uh, we've just been doing the restoration the last few years since about 2000. We've been into it uh, kind of full time. Okay. So, what, like, what kind of what kind of stuff? Yeah. To, let's talk a little bit about what you do as far as the restoration. What 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 does that all entail? Uh, we we get pieces in that are you know totally destroyed. They could be a mover broke it, or uh, ooh, they've just ooh. been sitting there for a hundred years, falling apart. That type of thing. Uh, so, you know, you could get a chair in that's missing a leg. So you might have to make a leg for some, for a chair. Uh, and then we get into refinishing, you know, we've got a guy that does stripping and refinishing for us and, uh, we do finishes, that type of thing. Basically anything that involves furniture we do. Uh, we've also built a lot of furniture over the years, but last few years, we've really just been focusing on conservation and restoration because we've uh, just been, you know, so busy with it. We haven't had time to build anything at all. John, I I've, I can say okay, no. I've saw some of your um some of the pieces of before and after of stuff that you've done and some of the stuff you know I I can't even imagine starting you know to work on it I remember uh, I think it was a sofa or something you posted maybe a year or so ago um and and it was destroyed I mean it was completely in shambles and you guys took it completely apart and it was gorgeous when you finished yeah. so amazing. I had a, I have a good, uh, pretty well-known friend that's a pretty famous woodworker, and he told me that uh, I was pretty much insane one day. I was talking to him on the phone, and I said, yeah, I know that already, but why? Explain to me. And he said, uh, <laughs> you, you guys take stuff that's worth thousands of dollars. It actually belongs to people. You destroy it, put it back together, and then give it back to them, and they can't tell anything, anybody did anything to it. And I said, yeah, that's, that's what a restorer does. Man. I, don't, I don't know what else to tell you. That's what we do for fun, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Anyone follows you on Twitter, where you're 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 posting pretty prolifically, and you're showing the wonderful results you get. Um, where did you learn to do that kind of work? I'm assuming just owning a furniture store doesn't teach you how to really get into the nitty gritty of high quality restoration. I think it was out of desperation, Yami, because we we had to start fixing up stuff that uh, you know was broken up because we had money in it, and so you uh, from a business as aspect we had to you know, glue the legs back on something and then try, try to sell it to somebody. But uh, it, it it started out like that. And then it just got more intense, you know, where we I, I kind of started studying woodworking. I think uh, I've been doing it since 86. 
So I, I picked up, I think back then it was a fine woodworking magazine, just out of desperation, trying to figure out how to do some woodworking. And, uh, you know, I'd built some stuff with my dad. We had a table saw and stuff like that, but I didn't know a lot about hand tools. And so I started down this path, uh, you know, learning how to use hand tools and doing some woodworking. Uh, went to Mecca a couple times, you know, Atlanta, down to Highland Hardware, a couple trips down there, um, and just kind of got into it and went over to Europe and worked for a while in a shop, you know, trying to learn how to do finishes because to me that's that's kind of what everybody leaves out is the finish end of the business. And uh, yeah. I remember show, showing up at the shop in England and the guy said, the guy said, well, you're a woodworker. And I said, yeah. And he said, well, you can stay and work with us here, uh, you know, on this floor. And I said, no, I'm trying to find the finishers. Those are the guys I really want to work with. And he said, well, why would you ever want to work with a finisher? I said, that's that's not somebody you want to work with. <laughs> you know, they were kind of like they were the low life of the crowd. And some of them kind right. of were, you know, but uh, <laughs> I went I went and worked with finishers and the guys were just doing some amazing stuff and uh so it just kind of it was all that kind of progression you know Now was that at a school or were you working for a company that did this kind of finishing just learning on the job or it, it was actually a company. Um, the guy built a lot of furniture for Ralph Lauren, and uh, I sought out somebody that did huge pieces. I didn't want to just work on a little tiny thing and learn how to do a finish on that. They, they were building huge bars, giant bookcases that were 30 feet long and 20 feet tall, you know, and these guys were climbing around finishing the thing and just doing amazing stuff. They they take plastic, uh, like a plastic pootie and make it look like it was 17th century with a grain and everything on it, you know, and it was, it was just, it was fascinating. And, um, and so I came back to the States and uh, I worked construction for a few years and my dream was just get, you know, get into my own workshop somehow, but I had to make some money at it. And so the restoration was the key because people always had stuff that needed to be repaired. You know, they didn't always want something built. And so I came back to the States and, uh, kind of got started with the shop and and just taking work on and it's it's been going on for for all these years now but i i think you just as far as learning it i think you just need to make a lot of mistakes you know that's the only way to do anything and uh, is it that much harder since you're making mistakes on other people's pieces <laughs> well you know when we first started out doing finishes we were um we were taking cans of deft you know you remember the old deft oh, yeah. uh, uh-huh. i think they i think they still sell it at lowe's and we would take these aerosol cans of Deft and uh, heat it up in a sink with hot water so it got real volatile. And we were spraying the pieces okay. with, with Deft, you know, and, and that type of thing and <laughs> rubbing it down with tongue oil. And I've seen some of those early pieces that we've done in clients' homes, and they're they're still holding up today. But, you know, yeah. we, we do a little bit higher-end finish now than, than we did back then. <laughs> But you you start out just kind of you know doing whatever you can and uh, right. and I don't know uh, I hope our work's a little better than it was thirty years ago you know. <laughs> well, I don't know about your work thirty years ago, but I've saw uh, some pictures, some stuff you do now, and it, it's uh, some pretty cool stuff. So. Oh, thanks, John. Chris. Yeah. John, when when you look at a piece that's old and you have to you have to restore it, I mean, is there a lot of detective work that goes into it? I mean, when you when you pull this apart, are you are you you know you know, studying the, the, the joinery methods? Are you studying the wood selection? I mean, is this, is this like a detective project for you when you, when you break a piece down? Yeah, I think, uh, Tom, you have to be, 
you have to be a furniture historian to start out with. And any restorer that I've ever met or furniture conservator, as they call them, sometimes they're, they're basically historians. And so they have studied like, uh, you know, if you're going to look at like Maloof's work or whoever's work you're looking at, you know, you get a book, you study it, and then all of a sudden this, this stuff comes along to where you can get a chance to maybe work on it. And so I think you start out by kind of understanding dovetails or a particular furniture maker, the, you know, the way they do things. And then as you go to take it apart, yeah, you, you kind of got to be careful. But I think as you go along, you you get a little bit better at it. And it's it sort of becomes like, you know, route learning. I mean, you just, you just know what to do. I was working on um, uh, an 18th century chest today that was badly damaged. The movers did a lot of real bad work to it and then some uh, maple kitchen chairs and there were four or five other pieces I was working on in a day we we rotate between four or five pieces of furniture uh, and we don't we don't post a lot of the stuff I think I, over a year we probably turn out maybe 500 or a thousand pieces oh my gosh wow, wow. so we're, we're moving at a pretty rapid rate uh, you know because it's a business and so we have to we have to move very quickly and then we're backed out all the time uh, you know, several months with work. But yeah, you, you got to be careful with this stuff. The 18th century chest today, you didn't want to do do a lot of damage to it. But a lot of our um, work that we do is is just going through and fixing people's bad work, you know, that yeah. they do. That's not craftsman-like work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's where we make a lot of our money. Like, you know, like a, a guy just kind of staples an 18th century to chest together with a with a stapler or something you know instead right. of gluing it and re, redoing the dovetails and, and mortise and tenons and stuff like that you know they just kind of schlock the thing together now when you're talking about moving between different pieces a day is that because there's different processes especially with the finishes that need to cure and dry or is it that you're actually able to work on a piece that quickly that it only takes some of a day to fix or how do you how do you do how do you move so many pieces through a year and how do you work on so many pieces a day? I would think you need more time on a piece in a bigger chunk. Yeah, exactly. Some of them are, you know, the glue might be setting up like you might glue up some drawers or you might dovetail some drawers and then uh, you move to another to like to like the finishing room, do some finishes, uh, turn the heaters on in there, let the finish dry. Then you move back to the dovetails, continue cutting those. Then you might move over and cut some trim, maybe start up a router table. And so you're constantly rotating. And I, th- I think part of it, too, is that, uh, you know, you might just get a little bored or you can overcompensate on some of the pieces sometimes. So you have to pull off, you know, maybe too much coffee might be a problem, too. You know, and you can mm. you can you can actually wreck something. You know what that's like when you're you're working on a project right. and you're like, man, I got to pull off of this for a few few minutes, you know, and think. John, I wreck every project I work on, so <laughs> I know exactly what you're saying. You know, well, you know you, and sometimes you just uh, you've had enough of it. It's like, oh, I got I've got a I've got a kickback or something. I go have a beer or something. I've had too much of this piece, but. You know, um, it's nice to have the work to where you can do that, though. It's it's sort of a privilege where we're backed out like that, and and a lot of times it's it's a, it's a schedule thing. We have to move between the pieces because they have to be delivered on certain dates. You know. Okay. You know, one of the, one of the things that I've I've always found that's that's difficult. I mean, it's just like you know, as a contractor, if if I go in and do a remodel on a house or something like that, you know, you 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 take things too far. You know, you take one piece off and then you realize behind that piece is another piece and then behind that piece is another piece and, and it's when to stop. And anytime I've ever tried to do any restoration on a piece of furniture, I do the same thing. And next thing I know, I've decided to 
strip the entire thing and then put a completely different finish on it. So it doesn't look like an old piece anymore. And one of the things I noticed that, you know, how do you, you, you got to, how do you guys handle that as far as your line? Cause it seems like, you know, it, it, when it comes out, it still looks like the old piece of furniture. So, you know, you're not destroying that old finish. You're really duplicating an old finish, you know, with a new one. Yeah. It's, um, I've done that before, gone too far with a piece, you know, but you have to, um, gosh, that's a tough question. I think it's kind of complicated. It it ends up with, uh, I think the, the owner or the client and they have like a certain look that they like, Mm -hmm. uh, like, like sometimes we, we have a couple, we have a couple clients where they like things that are like totally brand new. Mm -hmm. And then if you take like, let's say we get some Gustav Stickley pieces in that are signed, um, you know, which we've done over the years many times. Uh, we can't do a lot to them. It's mostly conservation. So you might be maybe cutting a couple joints and then, you know, kind of using some oil on it or mm-hmm. beeswax. You have to be real careful with it um, because the client that owns that type of piece, you know, they, they want it pretty much original. They want like a dead, dull, flat finish. Right. They don't like okay. anything shiny, you know, where it looks kind of new. Right. Um, but it, it, that's sort of a, a call. It's a judgment call. And I think that's a pretty, it's a pretty complicated issue. You have right. to be very, very careful with that because um, you can upset some people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that happens from time to time. It does with all of it seems like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it you never know. I'll have a I'll have a, a husband and he uh we had a seventeenth century table that we had come in and uh was destroyed and it was a great big old four inch thick oak top and twelve feet long and all this carving. We took it back to the uh how how his house and his wife showed up. She'd been out of town or something and he likes everything dead, flat, dull. It has to look totally ancient. Mm-hmm. And we had to rebuild this whole thing and do a bunch of woodwork on it. So we had to replicate all that. We got it back to the house. Well, she, she likes shiny stuff. Oh, no. So she walked in and saw the table and said, oh, and I said, well, what's what's wrong? And she said, oh, I don't like that at all. That's that's just not good. And he was standing there. So we had to get it back in the truck and take it back to the shop and make it shiny. <laughs> <laughs> so not only are you a furniture restorationist, but you're also a marital therapist as well. Exactly. In, in, in a way, be, uh, in a matter of speaking, yeah. <laughs> a politician. A yeah, yes. John, you do pieces from across the country and and around the world, right? We do, we do. How do you handle shipping? Uh, we we normally uh, we have our own trucks, so we'll deliver, you know, like to Chicago, and we've gone to Atlanta before and down to Florida. But as far as shipping comes in from like New York, where we get things, uh, that's up to the client. They have to get it to us, and then have their carrier take it back or, or we work with clients in California and they'll ship us things or, or Europe, you know, we do a lot of work in Europe and so they have to take care of all that, but we have a truck and you know, we'll only go so far with it. You'll go to Florida, but not New York. <laughs> uh, I'd like to go to Flor- Florida tonight. actually. <laughs> I suppose there's that. Than it is where you are. Okay. And, and, and not upstate New York, you know, no, you get stuck in the hallway there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, John, you know what, what? What kind of pieces do you enjoy restoring, and what ones are most challenging? Um, I think uh, you know I I love to do carving, Tom, and I I just got in some. I've got a got a friend over in England in London, 
and he sells antique tools and I'm always on the sites, you know, and I, I love antique tools, um, hand tools. And I just was able to pick up uh, 30 Addis chisels from him, which are sort of rare. I mean, you, you can find them on the, on the net and stuff, but I really like to do carving. I think carving is, is the most challenging thing. Uh, I, I've always had a hard time with it. My wife, June says I can, I'm pretty adept at it, but I, I think I have a pretty tough time with that. And I like carved pieces uh, I think some of my favorite stuff is is probably the s- simplest would be country furniture and probably arts and crafts. Mm. I think that's my favorite. Mm-hmm. Okay. 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 Nice. Now, nice. Now, to, to move away from hand tools for a moment, I've seen you tweet about your affection for the uh, the Festool RO90. Um, oh, I love that man. All day and- long we use that thing. That is, it's it's arguably the most used sander in my shop, but I suspect we're using it in different ways. And um, well, first I, I'll ask why you like it, and then I'm going to ask for some technique, some help in your technique. So, what what makes it such a universe, such a useful tool? It is, uh, you know, we've over the years we've had a, a lot of different sanders. You guys have used a lot of different sanders too, but um, I, I like the vac system with it. And uh, it, you, you can just get that little thing in your hand and do all kinds of real intricate sanding. Um, it, you know, and if you use the right grit, you don't get a lot of donuts. You know, in our work, it's, it's super high end, so we can't have any donut marks or we'll, we'll usually block sand out after it. But, but that thing's just amazing. And then, and then you can take it on a, you know, you can get onto a 20-foot lacquered dining room table with it and uh, polish it out, you know, with water sanding, too. It works, it, it's adept at wet sanding or dry sanding, and it's just the coolest little thing. I've got a couple of them, and we use it every day, all day long. We've we've used it on giant projects before. Instead of a great big old six-inch monster that we've got, you know, we'll break out that little baby thing. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. Well, I I agree. I tend to use mine for, for shaping and yeah. uh, and roundover yeah. and, and things like that. Exactly. Uh, personally, though, I find that in random orbit mode, it it and the other Rotex I have, the uh, one of the bigger ones, they tend to be a bit grippy. And if I'm doing actual random orbit sanding, I'll fall back to a more traditional random orbit sander rather than one of the Rotexes. Do you are you able to use it in random orbit mode also? And is there a trick that I'm missing to? stop it from being so grippy like it it doesn't float over the piece as it as it should or, or it does in rotex mode it it kind of jars all around and it's harder to control in random orbit mode i find um you know i i i think i had the same problem uh with some of the red uh paper what's that called i can't remember uh the red I... is the uh, i i can picture it because that's almost exclusively the one i have and i'm blanking on what it's called um, what uh-huh. I found is we we switched out of that because um, you know we're trying to fiscally we've got to be careful you know because we're running a business but we switched over to the granite which is that blue paper and I was uh-huh. getting uh-huh. I was getting a lot of that where it was real grippy like that on certain woods like uh, I I, can't, I think it was like walnut it would do that too or any kind of like a fruit wood, you know, and we switched over to the granite and we didn't have that problem anymore. I think it might be the paper, uh, but you know, it, it is a little beast. That little thing's a little beast and it'll, it'll tend yeah. to grab things. <laughs> you know, the one I really like is that Merca, that electronic thing, you know, where it's, that's a fantastic sander. Okay. That's, that's a, that's a great finish sander, but try the, try that blue paper. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely try the Granat. Um, yeah, we like that. By the end of the episode, I'll think of what the red paper is. I, I'm blanking on it, but I know the yeah. paper you're talking about. Yeah, the Granat lasts and lasts and lasts and lasts. If you want to get a box of Festool sandpaper, that's that's the stuff we found that for the buck, it lasts the best, you know. Yeah, as expensive as the Festool stuff is, I will say that I found that their, their paper is not exorbitantly expensive. And across the board, I found that all lasts longer than you'd expect. I, I can't say that I've seen the Granat last longer because I've not used the Granat, but um, all of it seems to last a very long time. Yep. Um, yeah, it's good stuff. You mentioned the uh, the Merca. Which, which one of those do you use, John? It's um, it's like the I can't remember the the model number, Chris. It's it's electronic, like it has like a DC motor, I believe. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, uh-huh. You've got the box hooked up to it, mm-hmm. and 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 that's just a killer sander because it's it's so lightweight compared right. to like the Fest tool. You really have to grip the Fest tool too. You know, you've got to use it's a two handed kind of thing most mm-hmm. of the time. With, yeah, and with the Rotex and that that right angle, it's not the balance could be a bit better. Yeah, you got to grip the back end of the the fest tool when you, especially when you switch it into Rotex, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Do you use the the five or the six inch Merca? Uh, I like the six, uh, and uh, you know, then when we do wet sanding, we we're doing like spraying dining room tables. You know, we've got some Bosch six inch sanders and I found they're the best. And we, we wet sand with those with uh Abrilon discs. Uh, okay. The Abrilon discs are fantastic. Yeah. When we're doing our big dining room tables, we uh, we'll use, we'll wet sand them. We, we start out using the Festool, the Granat, and then we switch over as we start spraying layers on there, you know, and using the Abrilon. Well, John, thank you so much for coming on. We have really appreciated talking with you. Sorry, we're going to cut the conversation a little short because we try not to let these episodes go too, too long. Um, but we'll definitely love to have you on again sometime in the future. And before we let you go, could you tell everybody where they can find you online and how they can follow you and see all the great stuff you're restoring? Well, we're we're on Facebook, uh, Diami, and it's, uh, it's, it's John Stefan Restoration on Facebook. And uh, then we're also on Twitter quite a bit. You know, I'm on there with you on Twitter, uh, tweeting back and forth with you. And that's, I think, Tom, what was it, Stefan, Stefan Rat or something like that? Yes, Stefan yeah, Restorat, yes. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's yeah. funny. It, it, it's kind of ends there, yeah. Yeah, the Rat Restorers. But, but the Rat Restorers. Yeah, where to it's find all, us on yeah. there. We'll put in the show notes. You know, and then we've had a website for gosh, like twenty years. It's pretty outdated. It's it's johnstephan dot com. But uh, Facebook is a good good place to get us. We've we've got a bunch of uh, woodworking friends. Chris is on there with me. Yep, uh, that's right. on Facebook. He knows where to find me. Yep. And uh, and uh, that's about it, really. You know, we stay pretty low key. The beauty is now that everybody else knows where you are too. So that's a good thing. <laughs> Yeah, and I enjoyed being on here with you guys. Uh, appreciate you doing this and taking your time uh, to do this. No, we we appreciate stuff. it. You know, it's uh, it's it's always great to see. I've I've enjoyed uh, following you over uh, over the over the years and stuff. And um, you know, I definitely think our our listeners uh, appreciate taking uh, taking a look at some of your work. Um, so we appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for yeah, having absolutely me. sweet, John. Yeah. Thank you once again. Thanks, Tom. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Take care. Now, Tom, be, uh, before we wrap this thing up, do you want to announce something? Why, yes, indeed. As a matter of fact, we are beginning. Now, see, la- this all started last year um, with an idea that we had to, uh, to uh, do this, something, a program called The Last Minute Elf. We know that this time of the year, people start to think, what am I going to build for people for holidays? 
And, uh, you know, you always have these beautiful visions of, of the sugar plums dancing in your head and you're going to build something really impressive. And then usually the last minute comes along and you haven't even started. So what we're doing is we're doing as part of the Modern Woodworkers Association this year, we are we are starting our last minute elf promotion this uh, for this year. Basically, here's what's going to going to happen. We are uh, looking for ideas. Um, if you have built projects that are easy to build, um, don't take a lot of material, can fit into a small shipping box, we're looking for your ideas. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to promote this throughout the holiday season. So when people get ideas, oh, gosh, I want to build something, they can actually work towards building these small projects or these easy-to-build projects to get them done on time so they can give them as presents. So what we're going to do is uh, on our website at modernwoodworkersassociation.com, you can check out um, the information about the about the last minute elf. Not only is it going to be something where we're going to be sharing the information, but also there's a chance for a number of different categories for you to actually win fabulous prizes. Fabulous. 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 Fa fabulous prizes. You guys don't seem excited. We're excited. We're so excited. Yeah, you're excited. Sure you are. Okay. So definitely go and visit modernwoodworkersassociation.com. We have all the all the rules, all the specs and everything on there. And again, what we're looking to do is, you know, for, you know, if you're interested in submitting some ideas for consideration, um, by all means, what we'll do is we'll feature them on the website as they come in. So it'll be it'll be a kind of an interesting experiment for us to see if we can uh, help, you know, get some other woodworkers to stop scratching their head and get out in the shop and actually build something for the holidays. This, this is going to be a lot of fun. I mean, last year, uh, like you said, we ran the ran this last year and uh, you did over at Tom's workbench. And, you know, it's a, a lot of fun. A lot of people participated. So um, we're looking forward to doing it again. And, and, you know, like Tom mentioned, you know, with Gorilla Glue being on. Uh, we're going to have some uh, some good little prizes come out of it, and uh, we're, we're fabulous, excited. fabulous prizes, fabulous prizes. That's right. So again, if you want to participate and you actually qualify for some of these fabulous, fabulous. prizes, definitely look online and uh, check it out, and uh, we'll have everything out there. So by all means, um, and with that, that about wraps it up for the show. If you're missing us already, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes. Just search for the Modern Woodworkers Association. Once you're subscribed, you'll be sure to never miss another exciting episode, or fabulous, as they say. And while you're on iTunes, please leave us a five-star rating, even if you don't believe we deserve one. It helps our rank so others can more easily find us. And if you want to find out more about the Fabulous Woodworkers Association, fabulous. be sure to be sure to visit modernwoodworkersassociation.com. Follow the MWA on Twitter, at MWA underscore national. Like the MWA on Facebook or circle Modern Woodworkers Association on Google+. While you're there, join the fabulous MWA Google Plus community for project sharing, discussion, and loads of woodworking banter. All right. So I am the uh, not-so-fabulous Chris Adkins of HighRockWoodworking.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at HighRockWW. Chris, are you like less than fabulous in terms of good, or are you so far less than fabulous you're only mediocre? Because I, I, I think you're good. I think I'm good. I don't know. It's kind of iffy at times. He's fabulous. Fabulous. <laughs> All right. I am Diami Plotky of penultimatewoodshop.com. I'm actually also on the Instagram, but I'm not sharing pictures there. So you can find me on the Twitters at Diami Plotky. Uh, that's at D Y A M I P L O T K E. On the Twitters. And I'm the yeah, fabulous resident shop monkey, a Tom Iovino of tomsworkbench.com and at tomsworkbench on Twitter. Until we talk to you again, 
We wish you all happy sawdust and a happy Thanksgiving if you're in the States.